Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hartley. This podcast exists to equip and inspire your heart-centered leadership. Every week, we bring interviews with some of the greatest heart sets and mindsets on the planet. I hope the heartprint of our time spent together is that it creates new possibilities for you and all those you come into contact with. If you'd like to explore what we could make possible for you, then head to abty.co.uk forward slash connect and book in a free 30-minute call to begin our journey. On episode 249, I'm joined by Simone Millisas, a self-made multimillionaire, best-selling author, renowned speaker, and founder of Joy of Business, a program that mentors entrepreneurs globally to create greater wealth and happiness. Simone is also the business development manager of Access Consciousness and has been instrumental in growing the company to 176 countries across the globe. Simone, who once lived month to month, now has a thriving business portfolio and has built a small empire by throwing out the textbook rules of business. She refuses to cave to stress, burnout, overworking, or doing anything that doesn't feel great. It's episode 249 with Simone Millisas. Simone, welcome to the Always Best in Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm great. Thank you, Ryan. I have a podcast all about heart-centered leadership, and I don't normally do like surface-level conversations, but you and I just had a bit of a chat about the weather. <laughs> You're in Australia. It's summer while well, we're in like the bleak midwinter here in the UK. So I'm I'm hoping that you're going to be a ray of sunshine for myself today. <laughs> well, it's it's actually super hot here. It's you know when you have that sort of weather that it's so extreme. I I think you have permission to talk about it, and it's it's so hot here and humid. Everyone's like you've got to have that thirty seconds of just like oh my god, and then you can actually talk about what you're meant to be talking about because it's. <laughs> very hot and humid here but a lot of my friends over in in Europe are like digging cars out of snow and yeah yeah, yeah. well it's just wet and gray here in the UK so um I can only just imagine I'm just going to enjoy the uh by proxy I'm going to enjoy it through you I think <laughs> well you know I used to live in London and uh, the summer was always so strange to me because it was so light for so long you know You'd go to the pub for a beer or something it's nine o'clock at night and I was like this is not good because I feel like it's five o'clock in the afternoon or in winter, you would like head down, get out of the tube and you just head home. Like just, it was gray and dark. So it was very, very seasonal. Yeah. I'm looking forward to diving into your work. You, you put a lot of great, uh, heart work out into the world. I'd call it heart work. Um, but let's, are you from Australia? Did you, cause I know that travel is, a, is something that's, um, big on your heart. Yes. Um, yes, I'm from Australia, born and bred in Sydney, Australia. I live on the Sunshine Coast now. Well, that's where I have my home with all my clothes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, what is it? Because, you know, Sydney seems like a lovely place. So what is it that made you want to spread those wings? From Sydney? Yeah, just because I know travel is a huge part of your... Yeah. Your... Well, I, you know, I wanted to see the world so much, Um I was always like, it was really important to me, like growing up was a couple of things was one, the world didn't make sense to me the way mm. it was like everything that I was being told that I should figure out what I want to do when I grow up and all these different things and these aspects. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like this can't <laughs> be, it. there's, there's got to mm. be something different. So for myself, I went, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to own my own business. That was one thing. And I wanted to travel the world mm. and 
I left when I was 19, told everyone I was going for six months and and then, you know, went <laughs> for three years and yeah, stayed overseas yeah. for three years and kept exploring and just wanted to find out more about the world. Yeah. And and that question, you know, things don't make sense. There's I think there's I'm just in you know, just thinking as you're speaking is that there's a there's a there's a dichotomy there between the head that says I need to somehow fit in and then adapt to that. Like I'm maybe I'm the problem versus the heart, which is like, ah, oh, no, I know that there's just intuitively something else, something more, something that I'm there to explore and discover. Yeah, Ryan, I've definitely been through that. I was just talking to a friend's kid at the moment and he's 18 and he's doing an apprentice uh, apprenticeship and he doesn't like it and he wants to leave. And I said, dude, you're going to do so many things. Yeah. You know, you really are. And, but people are saying, you have to stick to this. You have to get this. You And I said, I was told that my whole life. And, you know, all of these things that would come across, you can't make up your mind. You can't settle down. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't stick to one thing. You're, you know, too, too much of a dreamer, like all these things. But I was like, but why would I choose? Why would I do something if I wasn't enjoying it? And why would I keep doing that when there's mm. so many possibilities around the world? And I still think that's true. So for me, it I know it looked fickle and it looked like I was going from one thing to the other, but here I am today and mm. I have gained so much awareness and so much knowledge and met so many amazing, yeah. beautiful people around the world too. And I think you need to keep choosing that. Even now, like my accountant said to me the other day, Simone, you need to, she literally said to me, you need to figure out what it is you want to create. And I went, you mean like when I grow up? And I was like, you know, I'm in my early 50s. And she goes, no, what do you want to create? Like if you retire? And I was like, well, I can't see myself retiring, but I, I hear you. I know yeah, what you're yeah. talking But what if we were always in question? Like what if we were sort of never satisfied, but always satisfied, always yeah. asking for more? Because there is always more, always more. It's a paradigm shift, isn't it? You know, it's a paradigm shift. It's moving away from that kind of career and job is a thing that we do versus what I think I'm getting from you is that it's more important of who you're being whilst you're doing whatever it is that brings you joy, right? It's that that first part, which is how can we show up in a world as our fullest expression? How how can we because because the skills, the gift, the talent, we, we can we can learn some of those things, we can we can change careers, we can change industries, but very few people really come to the world as the fullest expression of who they are. What do you think about that? Yeah, and, and I don't know if there's a place that you reach. Like, I don't, for me, I don't think you get there. Like, I'm getting there, you know? It's like, it's a <laughs> There's always another layer, yeah. Yeah, it is. And and the other layer doesn't have to be like, oh, no, I'm going through this. And, yeah, yeah this some like, I had some pretty interesting things show up for me in 2023, you know, when people go, oh, it's a hardship year. Yeah, I had some, I had some things I had to, you know, hurdle over or stumble yeah. and fall and dust my knees off and get back up. But it always, always, I gain more awareness from everything that I choose mm. and I do have more of me. I'm not sure if you know, the, the first book I ever wrote is called Joy of Business. And, mm. you know, I, I called it Joy of Business and everyone said to me, don't call it that. And I was like, but that's what it is. And they said, yeah, but no one will get it. And I was like, but that's what it is. And yeah. I actually had to start getting the way other people looked at life and looked at, at what they were creating in the world and what they were choosing. Because for me, it was never about the money. It was, and I've learned to actually like money and enjoy money. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But it was never about the money. It was like, am I am I enjoying my day? Am I am I getting something out of this? Like a friend of mine said to me one day, 
He said, you, you literally make me sick how much job satisfaction you get. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Simone, I've known you for like eight years. Every job you have, you go, I just got this job and it's about this and we're doing this, you know. And he said, you get so excited. Most people go to work on a Monday and they're like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, five yeah. days to go. And I'm like, we've got five days. <laughs> well, Sorry, yeah. But I've always been like that. And I, and I think, you know, there's a word that you and I love, which is possibility. And I think sometimes people just need to know that it's possible to enjoy your work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first job that I ever got, Ryan, and I was making sandwiches in a sandwich shop. Yeah. I was getting paid $200 a week, you know, for I can't remember how many hours I was working. And I remember being so happy and so excited about making these ham, cheese and tomato sandwiches, you know, <laughs> in bulk. And I was like so grateful that I was there. And I also remember thinking, $200, what am I going to do with $200? Like now I would be a little like, well, that that's going to go over a nice lunch. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was just oh, yeah. so grateful. And, and, I, and I do wonder because I think, you know, so many people, particularly in the Western world, we learn to do the intellectual gratitude, which is the I look around and therefore I should list all the things I'm grateful which is almost like an intellectual gratitude process versus one way you actually feel it in your soul how like loved or provided for you feel and i and i wonder whether that was your state in, in that moment where you could have been doing anything in the world but because you had a heart posture of gratitude like it was just full of joy yeah, I was just, I was very happy that they had hired me and said yes yeah, yeah. you know as you said that ryan here's something I've been looking at recently too, is we are a part of the ecosystem. Like we mm. are not not part of that. We, I mean, science says we literally have, you know, star, um, star particles in our bodies, right? Mm. So mm. we're a part of the universe. Like that's it. And, and we keep trying to pretend that we're separate and we keep trying to pretend that we, you know, like you said before, it's like that we try and fit in somewhere or we've got to get it right or good or perfect. And it's not true. Mm. If we actually relax into what we're choosing and acknowledge that we're a part of the ecosystem and allow it to contribute to us and to receive, yeah. that's when I get a different reality can show up and those possibilities that we're talking about. Yeah, I was never going to get there by listening to a podcast and being educated on, yeah, here's what it is. Like, I, Surrender was never my thing. I was never going to surrender and trust something greater than myself. And yet, yeah, here we are five years later and we're having this this kind of conversation. But, you know, has that been something that you've had to learn to soak into this belief that we are expressions of the divine, that we are you know part of the cosmos? Or is it has that been... You know, has that always been part of your spirit? You just had to try and find the words for it. Um, I think it's always been part of me. And I yeah. think more so I've had to be okay with it and not hide from it. Right. Because yeah. of that place trying to be, you know, compliant to other people's points of view. Mm. I mean, I even remember I was brought up a devout um, Catholic. And, mm. you know, at 16 years of age, I sat down with my father and I went, it's not working for me. And I was like, look, I think Jesus was a really cool guy. And I think there's some really great stuff in the Bible. And I think all that, that concept is amazing. And I actually studied religion at school because I was so interested in, I would hear something about Buddha. I would hear something about the Quran or whatever. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I sort of would take this information from all these different areas. But then I was like, but there's such a, 
a significance about it that seems to make it heavy mm. rather than take those, like be willing to perceive the truths and the lies basically. Mm. And I think when you take that, those, that energy of what you know is true for you and keep moving forward with that. But if you're waiting for somebody else to give you the thumbs up and go, it's okay, then heck, you're going to be waiting a hell of a long time. Like really, it's like people don't actually like you to be choosing the greatness of you all the time. If you, if you've got, you know, yeah. one or two people in your life that are uh, cheering you on for that, then, then you're really lucky, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of what I meant around the head and the heart, because I had a heart experience that made no sense to me, made no sense mm -hmm. to me, which opened me up to the awesome, awesome wonder of the universe. You know, it was, it was never something I could have intellectually grasped. And, and unfortunately, I think much of the, the, the religion side of things is, is man-made type processes and uh, rituals. And um, I'm sure they have all their place, but um None of it really matters without that heart experience. And I know that on your travels, you you met a, a mentor of yours, Gary Douglas. And um, there was a poignant conversation where you decided to become a uh, part of, of, of his work and his direction. What was it about access consciousness and, and maybe Gary himself that um, that really captured your heart and your imagination? So there was one particular moment, Ryan, that, I mean, I had my own business and it was mm -hmm. called Good Vibes For You. And basically my point of view was like, how can I change the world by... You know, I had merchandise like T-shirts, stickers, magnets, etc., yeah. and was saying on them that I would perceive inspire people because they just really desired to change the way people looked at themselves and yeah. each other in the world. And I met Gary Douglas at a Mind, Body, and Spirit Festival in Sydney, Australia, and I just had a friend who had died, and it was mm. really death, and it, I was just I was horrified. Like I just mm. wanted the world to stop. You know but I'm here and doing this business and setting up at this expo. And he walked around the corner and I knew who he was, but I hadn't actually been introduced and I got introduced to him and he gave me this hug. And huh. you know, when someone hugs you and then you, I pulled back and, and he looked at me and he goes, he went, Oh, he said, you'd be a lot better off if you're open to receiving. And I just looked at him and thought, you have no idea what's going on in my life right now, you know? And that was it left it that wow. night. I was yeah. too tired. I couldn't sleep. All I could think about was this man saying to me, you would be a lot better off if you're open to receiving. And the next day I walked over to him, you know, hands on hips, because I was angry at the world that my friend had died, you know, yeah. hands on hips and like petulant and everything. And he looked at me and he was like, good morning. And I was like, is it, you know, and I went, <laughs> I, and he goes, he said, do you have a question? And I went, yes, I do. And I said, what did you mean when you said that to me? And I repeated it to him and this is what where I was functioning from Ryan too. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I didn't think I was allowed to receive. I thought I was here to give. I thought that was my job is I just had to give, 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 give. And I wasn't allowed to receive. I mean, even in the Bible, it's like, you know, ask and you shall receive, you know, in the whole, it's like they talk about, it, you know, it's like it's if that level of receiving that he was inviting me to, he said, you'd make more money, you'd be happier, your business would be better off. You'd have more possibilities show up, et cetera. Mm. And I still now am exploring receiving in a different mm. way, in a really different way, because it's that just opened up a whole lot of doors for me and, yeah. and, and different areas that I wasn't willing to look at before. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I have a number of friends who are in the kind of manifestation space and, and even this belief of like manifestation, it introduces the the gap between now and 
the manifestation in some way being in the future. It's like a it, it almost introduces time and space. It almost reinforces that whatever I seek is not quite present. Is not quite here. And is there a different energy? Is there a different posture to to receiving? Is it is it like law of expectation where it is already written, it is already so, or is it like how do you how do you wrap your kind of heart and mind around the yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it good questions, Ryan, and I'm not sure if I have the answer, but I can talk about <laughs> yes. talk about what I've what I've you know what's showing up for me, and yeah. is I think I mean I know you've had Dr. Dane here on your show before yeah. too. He's written a book called "Being You, Changing the World," and there's mm -hmm. one thing that he said many many years ago, and it really stuck. You know, when someone says something, it stuck with me. Is he said, you know, one of the most magical things in the world is you being you. Yeah. And for me, it's like when you are truly being you and being true to you, not true to everybody around you. It's like maybe you have to lie to people every now and then because they can't, you know, they can't receive whereas you're functioning from whatever. But if you're being true to you, that is one of the most magical things. And I find when I'm totally being me, it's like that's when things show up. It's like you do ask and things show up. And it's, it's just like, and it's like magic, but here's the thing. People put magic outside of them, but you are the source of, of the cre of the creation. Like you mm. asked for it, it showed up. And, you know, I, I see there's different types of people in the world and there's, there's people who are like, you know, I wish I had this. I wish, I wish, I wish. Mm. And you know what? You can wake up and go, I'm going to take some action here. Mm. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to choose this. And can I say the universe, like, I personally think the elementals of the universe like to play with you when you are functioning from joy, from, you know, having more ease in your life, from, mm. from being happy or that. It's like stuff doesn't show up when you're just bitching and complaining and moaning right. about what's not there. Yeah. You know? Cause your, your, your words are spells, aren't they? You're, if you, if you're complaining, you'll get more of the stuff, you know, to reinforce that, I guess. I am. Um, so I, I, yeah. I read the Bible too. And um, there, there's this one scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and all things will be added, right? It's this ode to abundance. And there's another interpretation that says, seek first the kingdom and you'll be given all that you need. And there's a huge gap between all that you need versus abundance. And I constantly wrestle between those two points where I'm like, it's all right. I've got all that I need. I've got a roof over my house. I've got a loving family. Like I have all that I need versus does that keep me playing small? And I'm like, I'm having this constant inner dialogue between is there abundance that I'm like that I'm fearful of? Like I don't know. Like, I've seen far yeah. too many, uh, you know, people out there talking about you know fearing your own success. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like, I, <laughs> how do you think about what I just said? Well, to me, I think I mean you use the word success as well, and I think we misidentify what that is. And and most people mm. will look at success about you know, calibrating how successful they are by the amount of money they have in their bank account. Mm. And I don't think that's true. I mean, I like I said to you before, I have learned to like money. I resisted it and and rejected it for so long. And I, I like traveling business class or first class. I like, you know, yeah. not struggling because I've been there, not struggling to go, how am I going to pay the rent? You know, that's <laughs> not that much fun. But I also realized I, yeah, I enjoy having money. So I think that's one thing. Mm. And then success is something really different. And there's a there's a story of that the company I had before um, I work because I work with Access Consciousness now as yeah. you mentioned Gary Douglas the founder and before that Good Vibes for you and as I said I had all these you know merchandise and one of them was 
um, a saying, and I had it on T-shirts and magnets, et cetera, and it said, imagine what you would do if you knew you couldn't fail. That was it, right? Mm. And I had this woman ring me one day and she said, are you the creator of Good Vibes for You? And I said, yes. And she said, I want to thank you. And I went, okay. And she said, a friend of mine gave me this magnet. Yeah. Um, imagine what you'd do if you couldn't fail. And she said, you know, I wanted to tell you I've been married for about, um, she was married for like 10 years or something and had eight kids, like, you know, just popping them out. Her husband was abusive. She woke up every morning crying. And she said, I thought that was my life. Mm. And she said, a friend of mine gave me your magnet. And for six months, I every day I woke up and I looked at the fridge and I read it. And she said, I want to tell you that I have now left my husband. Mm. I've moved out. I wake up in the morning and I'm happy and I'm smiling. And, and for me, I was like, that's a success. You know, it's a $5 magnet. If I was calibrating my success based on that, it's like, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't have been that successful. Yeah. But for me, that's the magic of what we can be in the world for each other as part of that ecosystem, you know. Don't what just watch it? it and be a part of it. 100% get involved. And what is it that inspires you about the possibilities that you can create for people? Uh, that there is no end and it's yeah. it's you know one of the the one of the biggest joys when I'm facilitating a class too is when you see people have those moments when they're just like oh and basically they realize you know they don't have as many problems as they thought they had it's like you know life can get better they can change mm -hmm. something because most people think they have a problem with something like whether it's money relationship business body family something they think they have a problem but if you look at, okay, right now, if you look at all of the, oh, I learned this thing the other day. Let's do this. This is really funny. Yeah. Um, my Pilates instructor taught me this, right? Because I walked in and I was a bit like, uh, you know, and she, and I was talking to her about what was going on. And she said, now put your hands up in the air. So here's what you would do, right? And you think you have a problem because you think you have a problem. You invent it. It's literally like this implanted point of view or you invent it so that you can be the same as everyone else, yeah. you know, all of that. And she said to me, put your hands up in the air. And I did. And she said, tell me the same thing. And I was telling her and I started smiling. And it's like <laughs> literally the way your brain works is when you have, and you know, um, the way your brain works, it starts to dissipate those lies so that you actually look at what's true. Yeah. <clears throat> I told this to my assistant. Now she's walking around the house with her hands up in the air going, I don't have any problems. And I'm like, you don't. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. It reminds me of all the muscle testing that David Hawkins does with his uh, power versus force work, the map of consciousness. It makes me think about, is there something that our uh, connection to the wider field is just picking up the difference between truth and falsehood? Mm. Well, if you look at the energy of someone like doing this thing of like crouching in and being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so pathetic. I'm this, yeah. I'm this, I'm that, whatever. And then even just the, I mean, everything like, the breathing, the opening up of the chest, the arms out, and then you're like, well, hang on a second. No, maybe there's another possibility available because right. there is always another possibility, always, always, always. But I think the key thing too is, Ryan, and we talk about this in Access Consciousness, is to ask questions. Like Socrates spoke about it, you know, and he was slammed for that as well because he started to change the way people, you yeah. know, look at life. And, well, and that's... Well, ask questions. It's like, what else is possible today? What can I receive today that I wasn't willing to receive yesterday? Anything. I love that because I think underneath the question is the supposition of humility. Like why ask the question if you don't believe there's something to learn or something other than what we see? And I, and I wonder whether it's the ego that just narrows things down to being black or white. Is this or that? And 
And sometimes we've just got to revel in the grey. Yeah, and we're, we're not, um, I mean, gosh, you can look at your body. Our bodies are phenomenal. And we've literally got trillions of cells changing all the time. Mm. And we try to function from right, wrong, good, bad, like on, off, binary encoding. We're not binary encoding. Mm. It's not us. Mm. It's like we are, we are so much more complex than that. And mm. we try and make it simple. And I think we try and come up with these problems in order to sort of confine ourselves and go, well, this is me. I'm poor, I lack, I have scarcity, I'm this, I'm whatever. And it's like, no, what if you come out of the I am definition into the, I have no idea who I am today. You know, who am I today and what grand and glorious adventures can I have? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love about your magnet story is that the true beneficiary of that was not actually your client. It wasn't the lady who bought the magnet. It was the receivers, the friend. And like that's the thing that really inspires me. The true beneficiaries of any people that receive our work are actually everybody else that interacts with that person. So the ripple effect is just, we'll never know sometimes in this lifetime, the ripple effect. Yeah. Well, I often wonder about her kids. Like right, right. what happened with her kids, you know, because there's there's like that's a sliding doors moment, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. growing up with that much violence and all of that. And then all of a sudden there's a different possibility by somebody's choice to buy a magnet to give to their friend. But here's the thing too, Ryan, how many of us hold back from each other? Like mm-hmm. I've, I've started doing a lot of things recently of just really been acknowledging people, like not validating. I think there's a difference, but acknowledging and that, I mean, I went to my um, physio today and it's in this mall and it's quite busy. And I came in, I was like, wow, you can tell it's Christmas time. Like, the, yeah, just yeah, the yeah. Thing. and we both laughed because he was like, I know, and how angry are people out there? He was supposed to be Christmas time and they're shopping and they're like fighting in the car park. And you're like, guys, just calm down, like, relax. What if we were a little kinder to each other, you know? Because oh, yeah. I walked into his, um, his doctor's surgery. And he just put his arms out and just went, you know, and like gave me this big <laughs> hug. And I was like, he's the only doctor in the whole place that would do that. But yeah. the energy that is and the energy that we can be with ourselves and for each other can create such a different, um, such a different world. 100%. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, whilst it is a season to be joyful and jolly, because without being too conspiratorial about it, a lot of the Western world and particularly in you know, materialism and commercialism, it's made things superficial. We're all rushing and hurrying around and which is the exact opposite of being able to be conscious and choose. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, last year at Christmas, I, uh, I spent Christmas on my own. And I just wanted to see if I could do it and I wouldn't sort of go down this rabbit hole or something because every you're supposed to be with family and friends and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, as you know, in Australia, and it was great. I woke up and I went for this little hike and then I went for a swim in the ocean and I ate some food that I prepared, you know, but I didn't eat too much. It was just yummy. Yeah. And then I lay on my, my, um, on my balcony. I have this beautiful day bed with these native trees and native birds and I read a book for like four mm-hmm. hours I didn't talk to anyone and I just, and I kept in the afternoon, I poured myself a glass of champagne, you know, and I just went through the day and, and I was like, wow, this was so refreshing mm. to just myself for a day on the day that you're supposed to be doing all these things. Yeah. And I, and I chose that. And, and this year I'm, I'm actually hanging out with a really, one of my best mates 
he's coming up from Brisbane and we've got a house in Noosa on the river. And we, we were like, should we talk about food? And I went, I don't really care. It's like, let's wake up and, you know, and see how, how, how we go. Yeah. Let's swim. And I said to him, let's actually talk about possibilities. Like, let's mm-hmm. look at what, what do you want? What do I want? What are, where are we heading? You know? And what if it's got that calmness to it and that relaxation? Why do you think people don't do that as often? I think um, because the the projections of what you should be doing, I think, is mm. really strong. Like, I hate to bring this up, but the, you know, when all the, you know, 2020, 21, all that stuff mm-hmm. was going on, and I know everywhere around the world was really different, and I was in Queensland, and we were, I mean, Australia was like a frigging jail, as we all right. know. Yeah, it, right. It just went back to being a jail. It was like, okay. You know, that's how we were hundreds of years ago and here we are. And the state I was in, you had a lot of freedom, but you couldn't leave and you couldn't, no one could come in. So, I mean, I live in a beautiful state. I got to explore my state a lot. It was great. Some great hiking. But I noticed the times that they would say, you have to go into lockdown. And a few of my friends, like we were laughing going, this is crazy because we're seriously like three days. Oh, excellent. And you'd be like three days and you're at home. I'm like, why would we not choose that relaxation? anyway yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so since then i've actually really been looking at my life because i traveled like 10 months of the year for 17 years Mm -hmm. now i'm like hey what is it that that what is it that actually works for me and works for my body and i'm really it's like a muscle though ryan going to the gym every day and working that muscle i am really exploring this muscle of relaxation and everything Mm. that i choose and i'm noticing like if i start to get into this uh because i can be really like you know and just go 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 but I'm noticing like the molecules in my body and even my organs have this place where they start to get tight and mm. I go, okay, stop. And then what I literally, wherever I am in, in my house or wherever I am in, in, in the car or something, and I stop and I go, okay, Simone, if you weren't doing, what could you be right now? Where is your energy required? And it's the two questions I've been asking myself. And I'll notice that I just perceive my organs go, Oof. Oof. Mm. I'm like, okay, from here, from here what would you like to choose? Mm. But we're not taught that, Ryan. We're taught how many things can you get done in a day? How many things can you accomplish? How many things, you know, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% resonate with you. One of the things that kind of access consciousness says is the tagline is empowering you to know that you know. And I find that really, um, I I like the phrase because, you know, I, I like the play on words and, when people say that you know thinking isn't knowing because if it was knowing it would be called knowing so even this idea True. that when we use our brains to think it isn't knowing because otherwise it would be called knowing and i i just love that like how how might people start to do this 18 inch journey from intellectual thinking to just knowing the truth of who they are maybe what they're here to do well um so it's funny because we talk about this in Access too of like the lower harmonics and the and the and the higher harmonics of, of how you be in the world. And if you look at because you know, right? Knowing's that quick, you know. And then you start to think about it. So if you are one of those people who think a lot, and literally you you think at the front part of your brain, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. something I'll do quite often is if I'm like thinking a lot and I go, okay, stop it. And it's like literally putting the energy to the back part of my brain, which is way more creative and ask, what can I, what do I know here? Because yeah, yeah. you know, like, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you know, 
and you go, oh, I'm not sure what I want to do about that. You've just lied to yourself because you yeah. actually know. So yeah. when I practice and I would ask everyone out there to do that too, if you are one of those people who is a head tripper is what I would call it and likes to think all the time, then instead, when you do that, just ask, what do I know here? Because be sure. willing to have a look at how much you know. Like I remember going to um, Tower of London in London and I was with I was with Gary Douglas and I was with Dane here and we walked in there and Gary said okay here's what I want you to do because as you're walking around I want you to ask like who do you know what do you know what do you recognize because that's from mm. past lifetimes right hmm. it was so much fun walking around there because you could see that there was stuff that I was like and eh, I don't care about that and other stuff I was like <laughs> wow like yeah. I remember this you know and because you do you know so much more than what you've been willing to acknowledge. And then you try and logitize it and and sure. think about it so that you can justify what you're choosing rather than just choosing. Yeah. I've um I've been I've said for a while the the purpose of leadership really is to help overcome our chimp response with a chosen response, right? Because leadership is pretty tricky right if we're doing it properly it's pretty tricky it's going to involve a fight flight freeze form type response inevitably is going to remove access to our prefrontal cortex we're going to respond a bit like a chimp you know self-survival ego kind of thing and uh i've all i've always believed that the gap between our chimp response and our chosen response this is a bridge of leadership and um i've had a bit of a tough 2023 and i've been wrestling with this not wrestling with it. i've been sinking into this idea of how do we lead while we bleed? It's when, you know, whether that not necessarily hemorrhaging from an artery, but just you know, a million little paper cuts, you know, how do we still show up making conscious, loving choices, even though sometimes there might be little million micro paper cuts? How do, what do you think about the idea of leading while we bleed? I would say, what are you making significant about it? And what are you making like meaningful about it when it doesn't have to be? Mm. I mean, I've had court cases this year. I've had a um, um, huge amount of vilification this year. Uh, mm. and, and people that don't even know me, you know, it's like, mm. and and I remember uh, there's, you know, Brene Brown and she does this great um, TED Talk speech and there's one thing she says on there, I think it's about vulnerability. And yeah. she says when you're on stage, you know, it's not if you get judged, you will be judged. But then look at the people who are judging you and not to judge them, but it's like they're sitting down watching you, but you're yeah. the one that keeps choosing and moving forward. So yeah, again, yeah. like I mentioned before, Ryan, that for me, it's like mm. being true to me. I know what I'm choosing. I know what I'm choosing. And I, and I'm not asking anyone to trust me. I'm, I'm yeah. don't trust me. In fact, yeah. trust you. Yeah. And that's the whole empowering you to know that you know. If I say something that you go, nah, I don't reckon it's don't 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 buy it. But I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna lead, I'm gonna be true to myself and and be that leader for myself. And to me, a leader is know where you're heading and be mm. willing to go no matter what. Like you're not waiting for others to come and hold your hand, you're not waiting for others to you know, validate you or anything. You just keep going. And for me, from a really young age, I've always desired to 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 have this people place where people could wake up and go. Like I said, there's got to be something else, you know, and mm. have more, uh, you know, consciousness on the planet and 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 less trauma and drama. And I have been through my own fair of you know trauma and drama. If you looked at it, and I remember one time I was sitting on my balcony with a friend and. 
it was it was getting to me and I was like I probably spent like 48 hours of just going down this rabbit hole and just being like oh god and he said Simone this person is winning mm. I said what do you mean and he said you're sitting on your couch and you're not happy and you're getting sad about it and frustrated and everything they're winning and mm. I was like oh my god you're correct and I was like you know what I'm not going to let anybody pull me down ever I'm going to keep moving forward no matter what. And I've, I've done so many different things, you know. I think that's the beauty of as you get older too. You, <laughs> I wish I knew now. I mean, I know that old saying, but it's so true. If somebody's listening in their 20s, it's like I wouldn't want to be in my 20s for anything again, but, man, I wish I knew then what I knew now. <laughs> I was more relaxed in my choices, you know. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny because, like, we wrestle with this idea that we could do things differently, but then it, then it would take away the very essence of who we are in this moment yeah yeah absolutely yeah because i i like to say i've lived a colorful life yeah. i've definitely been and done that and i've done some dodgy things and chosen some things you know that you know colorful as i say but i don't yeah. regret any of it yeah i am here and i have no place to judge anyone yeah well one of the things that uh dane and i talked about was the idea of a mosaic right it's all part of the mosaic and and he used the wonderful phrase that it's a symphony. It's just like because you said the word harmonics earlier, and I just love the imagery that that a symphony provides you know, because it's it's the frequencies of all of our experiences, both all of yours, all of mine, and and all of and um, yeah, to reject any of that would deny the symphony. Exactly. Yeah, and and the symphony, like if you look at a symphony too, you know, you can have that like that quiet and that list that that small sounds like fluttering there and then you can have the intensity of it and and, and everything. Yeah. It's like this acoustical wavelength that's just like, that's us. But again, that goes back to, we are a part of the ecosystem. Like I went on a, um, to South Africa, I think it was 18 months ago, two years ago and on this amazing game drive. And the guy who's so cool, the, the game um, ranger that took us there, but he said, you know, so many people, come on these on these in these cars and they look out it's like they're watching through a you know tv they're observing mm. and he said we are part of the ecosystem we are we're a part of this and it sort of really sat with me and i've looked at that ever since because you know one of the things that i learned is you can never have too many indoor plants during 2020 you should see my house it's just like <laughs> <laughs> plants everywhere and i love it and i've got the ocean outside you can hear it from my bedroom and yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you listen to the ocean and the beat, like that heartbeat of the ocean is incredible. Mm -hmm. And the planet has a different heartbeat and the plants have a different yeah. heartbeat. I have a different heartbeat, like that rhythm. It's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. How are you going to play with that? Are you going to resist it or are you going to, mm -hmm. you know, reach for something more again, mm -hmm. let's go to the more greater possibilities. Yeah. What becomes possible when I, because I, um, I, I heard something before, which is this idea that nature meditates you like there's such a frequency of the energetics you know whether that be the you know the literal energetics of the positive and negative ions neurons or, or whatever it is but there's something about being by the coast by the ocean by nature that just gets us out of this and just into ooh, harmony inner harmony have you been to australia have you no not yet Okay, so where I live, and if you're in Australia, you know what I'm talking about. It's like at the moment in summer, 4.15, I've got green tree frogs on my veranda and they croak like pretty loud. Yeah, and then yeah. about 
you know, 4 35 o'clock, the birds start. And it's, but here's what I look at it's like you're waking up with nature. Because yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. learned this a couple of years ago is trees actually sleep. So, but if, you know, those, if you get inspired in the morning and hardly anyone else is awake, but you have this like creative energy, that's very mm -hmm. much me. Mm -hmm. And I know people who don't go to sleep till two or three o'clock in the morning, but again, it's got, it's got that quietness because most mm -hmm. of the people are asleep, you know? Mm -hmm. So what if you could wake up with nature and, and be in that, I don't know, that, that exuberant, uh, creative aspect of, being malleable too like mm. nature is amazing like we've got floods at the moment we've just had a cyclone up in north um queensland and nature is wild and it's mm. there and it's like but that's us as well it's like how are we going to be with all this yeah it's always an invitation isn't it and and so i interviewed dr bruce slipton a couple of years back and bruce puts forward a different view of evolution um than the one often taught in schools and it's one by a guy called lamarck in the 1800s and Lamarck's idea was that actually it wasn't uh, survival of the fittest. It was survival of those who collaborate. It's this idea that we have evolved in harmony with nature. And he says this one line, which basically says something, I'll paraphrase, to the, that, you know, human beings will suffer to the degree they do not live in harmony with nature, the very source that sustains it. Yeah. And that's yeah. us, you know, we're, we're living indoors. You know, all these biohackers these days, they've got all these kind of like, what they're basically doing is all just trying to get us back to living in harmony of nature, you know, looking at the sunrise, uh, coming off of screens and devices, um, yeah, sleeping a decent amount, like eating proper foods. I know. I, I saw this um, thing on Instagram the other day and the guy was saying, you know, everything that I resisted when I was younger, like told to eat this, do that, whatever. Yeah, he said, yeah. now that's how I'm living my life. <laughs> It's like it's right. true. Yeah, damn it, parents yeah. are right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you've um you've written five books. One of those so I don't necessarily talk about money on the podcast. And I'd like to go there really, because money's never been my topic. I don't think I've got a great money mindset, hence why I've never really gone there with a topic. But you talk about like joy and money and getting out of debt joyfully, like please explain to me how money can be joyful. Like though for me, I can't reconcile those two two ideas. Well, okay. So the name of the book is called Getting Out of Debt Joyfully. And and I called it that too, because I was like, why does it, because it's always, people look at it as pain and suffering and, oh, oh you know, 100%. and I'm like, why can't it be joyful too? So look, in that book, one of the things I got to was I realized I finally looked at my finances one day and I realized I was $187,000 in debt and I really didn't have that much to show for it, you know. And I was using access consciousness tools in every area of my life and it was changing and I was happy and this was great. And I knew, and this is the knowing thing. Okay. I knew that I was creating myself to be a financial mess. I also knew that it was like some insane points of view that I had. And so I finally went, okay, I need to look at this. So I did. And, you know, to cut like a bit of a long story short, mm -hmm. um, I started to use the access tools and I, I picked three tools that I would use and I went, okay, I'm going to use these tools and see if something changes in my financial life. And so I did it for three months. And at the end of three months, I realized I did, I wasn't, didn't have a great deal of money, but I had a different point of view about it. And my, the mm. energy around money was different. 
and I wasn't so frantic about it or ignoring it. And because I was definitely one of those people, rent's due on Friday. I don't have money. It's Wednesday. What am I going to do? I did that so well, you know, and proving I could just get it at the last minute because I always did, you know, and I, but it was like so many people would use no money as a source of creation. And I, I know that that's what I did. And then when I eventually started using these tools and, and got out of debt and I'm sitting in my office one day and I'm looking at all my accounts and everything and I realized, oh, I actually have money and I'm not in debt anymore. And do you know how bored I was, Ryan? I sat there going, this is it. And I was like, <laughs> I have money. Like, And I seriously was like, where's the fireworks or someone coming in going, yay, congratulations, <laughs> you did it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was nothing. And I went, oh, okay. Two weeks later, I was grateful and smart enough that I realized I had created myself back in debt. Mm. And I went, wow, I had money for two weeks and I created myself to be in debt again. And so I started asking myself the question, what do I love about creating debt? And I know that that sounds like an insane question mm. and people go, I don't love anything. But if you're creating it, you do. Because whatever you're creating in your life is what you're you're choosing it, okay? Mm-hmm. I started asking myself that question over and over and over again. And I would come up with these really weird things that I was looking at. And, but the main thing I looked at was I knew it. I knew what it was like to have no money. I had no idea what it would be like to actually have money. So at that moment I was like, you know what? I'm going to find out what it's like to actually have money because I knew the struggle. I didn't know that. And so I made that demand of myself. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to choose this. And, you know, that was, I don't know, 18 years ago or something like that. And now it's like, you know, I have investments, I have a portfolio, I have this. None of that really, you know, it sounds so um, cheesy, Brian, to say it doesn't mean anything because I'm really grateful for it. And I I love my house. Like, and I, I, I love, I have a great house. I love living here. It's, it's so nurturing for me and yeah, it's cost money and it's across the road from the beach and it has all of that. But I'm going to put my butt in there because everything else that I have, that gratitude for living and that joy of like, you know, everything I choose, like, I don't know, like I like cooking, you know, listening to great music and cooking and it's like that doesn't cost me that much money, you know, and I Mm. love that. There's so much more than just money too. But money definitely creates more ease in my world and and creates more ease in other in other people's world as well and also the ability to contribute to others that's a really cool thing mm. you get to discover when you have money mm. is you know like there was a lady in in italy there's a hotel that i used to go to about four times a year she spoke italian i spoke english and but the hotel she would every time she would she was on my floor and she would clean my room and we just adored each other like it's just one of those people that you just like, oh, you know, and she'd be speaking, I'd be speaking and whatever. And then when 2020 hit, I knew that hotel was shut down because we couldn't go there, et cetera. And I just got this hit and I was like, I wonder if she's okay. Mm. And I got a friend to reach out to her and find her. And I didn't know this, but she was a single mom of two kids. And I found this out, like we still text each other. She would do Google translate and, you know, and translate it. And, um, and I sent her a bunch of money because I just, thought mm. I don't I don't know if she's okay and it was around Christmas time and I sent to her and, and I said hey please spend at least half of this on your kids and whatever and then I've sent her a bit more money since then now she's got a job and everything and it's all whatever mm. but 
still keep in touch and she calls me her angel yeah. <laughs> and um you know what i think what you can be with money like you can change people's lives with money yeah i think that's a really powerful potent thing mm. to have that as you said like you know contributing to each other i can't remember the exact wording you said but it was like that collaborating yeah when we collaborate contribute to each other we can create a different world here like we really can yeah well you you said about you know we are part of the ecosystem and um a couple of months ago, I interviewed Neil Donald Walsh, who interviewed, who wrote the books uh, "Conversations with God." Yeah, one of the things yeah. that yeah, one of the things he just hauntingly said to me as he looked in the camera, he said, "Ryan, don't go anywhere without any folding cash," because his own story was that he was he was homeless at a point in time because he had such an injury that he couldn't get a job, and he says, "You never know, just always have folding cash, always be that gift if you can, then do it." He says because, you know. It is we're all part of the same as sometimes it's easy just to reject any part of that but when we do that we're, we're, we're missing the opportunity yeah 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 i, d I get that yeah but we have to slow That's down it. we have to slow down to be able to see it don't we like we're so busy yeah. gotta go next 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 I, I can be guilty of that as, as any just the, what's the next thing what do i need to do what do i need to do and you all you just miss the opportunities right under your nose. And the greatest reminder, right? My son, he had his some birthday money in his pocket. We're gonna go take it to the bank. And there was a homeless chap. Oh. And my son just pulled out his money and was like ready to give it all away. <laughs> I'm like, so there's many me, like you know, public sector mindset, you know, grew up single parent family. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, put that money away. And it's he's just got such an abundant, joyful heart. He's like, he needs it more than I do. I'm like, yeah. oh man, teach what a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but here's the thing, we've been talking about there's more. There is yeah. more. You know, yeah. there is more. And I'm a very creative person and I love creating, you know, things out there in the world and getting out there in the world and, and being mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm always gonna make money. I just know that. You know, like I mentioned before when my you know, accountant said, what are you going to do when you, you know, like basically what are you going to create? And I, and I get that. She's like, what do you want to do when you retire? It's like, I don't think I'll ever retire. I know what she's talking about. And yet yeah, yeah, yeah. I will always create more. So if you have that, that awareness and that knowing that you'll always create more, then what if generosity of spirit, you know, and Gary Douglas actually said to me about 20 years ago, he said, if you have a generosity of spirit, the universe will give to you at least 10 times more. Now, he didn't actually mean just with money. He meant yeah, with everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. a smile, yeah. uh, you know, a, an acknowledgement to someone, uh, opening a door for someone, anything. It's like this generosity of spirit, this kindness that we can be, you yeah. know, with each other and for each other and for yourselves. Don't forget well, about yourself. It comes back to the the, the frequencies again because it's resonance. You, you get back that which you put out, I guess, and, um, yeah, you become well, a match to that. Yeah, someone spoke some words over me recently. They basically said this is a season where your, you know, your your family, your future and your finances will be taken care of. And I thought, that's wonderful. I really like that, that affirmation over me. Thank you. Does that mean I need to just do nothing now to let the finances come in? Or does does it mean I need to do it? Like, where, what's your perspective on your belief and expectation that the finances will come to you versus like working your face off? Like, where does, where's the balance? Uh, I think you've got to take action and yeah. but taking action can also be misidentified because taking action could be relaxing, right. you know? 
It's like, yep. because yeah, yeah. a lot of the times we go, oh, I've got to do, 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 like we spoke about before, but it's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to relax for a moment and then ask what I can be here. Then you'll know, you'll get that hit, you know, oh, maybe yeah. I should call this person, maybe this. But I don't think it's about just sitting there waiting for someone to knock on the door and go, Ryan, you know, here it is. <laughs> but I do get that it probably shows up nothing like you think it would. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the belief. It's the belief that, that, that it's possible. All things are possible. Yeah. Um, what has antique shops got anything to do with your heart? <laughs> um. I have, uh, I'm a bit, I'm business partner in some antique shops, actually with Gary Douglas and Dane here. Yeah. Uh, we've got Christopher Hughes, another guy. We've got a couple in Brisbane and I've also got one in Pridgeon Beach up here as well. So Gary has the most unique way of finding antiques all around the world. Like we've literally got this massive warehouse in, in Brisbane filled yeah. with antiques. So, so then you know, we're like, okay, let's have a shop up here. And it's just one of the businesses that we have. Yeah, yeah. So we have a castle in Italy too. I don't know if you know about that, which is filled with beautiful, beautiful antiques. It's amazing. What do the, um, what do the antiques represent to you? Like what captures your imagination? Well, to be honest, when I first met Gary and he would, you know, drag me into antique shops, I was like, this is just all old shit. Like that's literally <laughs> what I thought, you know, it's like, yeah, and yeah. it doesn't match and it smells and it, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. And then we actually walked into this shop in New Zealand and it was an expensive antique shop. And I remember walking in going, wow, this is amazing, you know, and picking yeah, these things yeah. up. And I went, oh, maybe I just don't like cheap antiques. I like expensive <laughs> antiques, you know, these beautiful things. But now, um, I mean, I can't turn my camera around now, but I've got some amazing antiques in my house. And the thing that I really like about them is, how they were created right. like you know my dining room table it's like the legs on the dining room table mm. and how they were crafted are just amazing i mean you live in the uk you've got so many right you know, so of I, the I, English, live, you know. I live near a city called bath right and i um as a oh, kid i love bath right yeah. so as a kid that's just you go to bath isn't it like yeah go to bath like there's nothing it's just you take it for granted because you know you don't have eyes to see and um now i'm like i'm in my 30s and i'm like Oh, these buildings are pretty cool. They don't build stuff like this these days. <laughs> so when like no. with the whole with the whole antique stuff, I can start to now see for me, it's like what captures my imagination about antiques in a way that never has done in the past is the is almost like the story behind it. Like, wow, yes. where might this have gone? Like whose hands might this have been in? What what would life have been like for these people? Like, yeah. and all of a sudden this thing, my perception of this thing's value is not just by worldly senses it's like the the richness of its experience mm. of what it and that that's that's my kind of perception on antiques these days well i've got um i mean i i what i eat with is um is silverware right and it's like you know sterling silver and the way it's carved and everything there is hardly i don't i actually don't know if there's anyone who makes the silverware like that anymore mm. and then people buy it and melt it and then sell the silver and it's such beautiful work and to eat off that and then I eat off you know beautiful china plates and I've got silver goblets and and even if you look at the history of silver I mean you know they'd say um you know have blue blood running through your veins etc the royals because they ate from silver and and even how it contributes to your body and all of that and just the beauty and the elegance of it I think you know because that leads into money as well too Ryan because 
for me, it's like there's such a beauty and elegance in so many of those things. And yeah, maybe they do cost a little bit more money to invest in, but you could start with a silver spoon, you know, and stir your coffee with that. But I think that hedonism is is something that we've lost. And, and I think that hedonistic point of view can be so pleasurable and and just that indulgence in, in living instead of just having this life where you have to go, this is what I have to do, this is what I have to do, this is what I have to do, this is the right thing, this is the projection, this is the bad thing, this is whatever. It's like, no, stop. It's like enjoy that that hedonistic, elegant, you know, beautiful way of being in the world. I've resisted the hedonism um, from a male point of view because I believe that a hedonistic male becomes a self-centered male. And I think a lot of people suffer if there are hedonistic men who abuse and use, use and abuse their power to get what they want at the expense of other people. So I don't know whether I've just put it down on that part of the conversation, but I just thought that's where, that's where I'm going with my thought on it. And then, and I, so and let I me wonder... give you another perspective. Yeah. What if what if hedonism is you know when you you when you're with a friend or someone who you go out to a great restaurant or they cook you a meal and those people who like might eat a dessert and they're just like oh my god and every mouthful you can feel it in your body from them eating this you know dessert or something and they're just like this is amazing. To me, that's that's someone who functions from hedonism because mm. they're so willing to get the pleasure out of something. So for me, it's like hedonism is not necessarily, I mean, it could be like that, that eating off the beautiful, you know, china and, and the silver because you're willing to have the, mm. the that greatness and that pleasure in life and living. So I would look at it in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm glad we had that, that um, perspective. I think one of the, one of the things around money is that it's, because it's, it's an illusion, right? It's a it's a promise. Money is a promise. Is that it's an exchange of value. And when I when I think about it like yeah, I think about it when I think about it like that. It's like because it comes back to that uh, willingness to receive thing again. Like yes, I know I'm paying for it, but actually I'm receiving that too. And uh, it's another way of of soaking into this uh, embodiment of receiving, I guess. Yeah, and I would say most of us function from like the program of, you know, give and take. Mm. And I mean, it's it's around Christmas time right now. How much is, is that program running of give and take and what are you supposed to take and give and da, da. But here's what if you just push that away and you actually started gifting and receiving? Mm. You know, and this, I mean, you know when you you give someone gift give a gift to someone and they actually receive it, you receive too. You're just like, oh my God. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, the opposite of like, that then is denying. If you're not failing to receive, you're denying the giver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And there's I a vulnerability to that, though, I think you need mm. to choose. That vulnerability. And most people think vulnerability is being weak. It's not. Vulnerability is that really that, you know, that place where you go, yeah, I can receive this. And it's like, I will receive, you know, yeah. all energies with no judgment with no judgment well uh and that and that's the thing that makes it vulnerable isn't it because there very might well be the presence of judgment (laughs) hopefully not from ourselves but you know and and i think that's 
yeah, I like the work of Brunea, but vulnerability being uncertainty. And when we come to the world from our heart as an expression of who we are, we always open ourselves up to judgment, abandonment, rejection. I think that's why it's vulnerability is because those things become possible, but then so does so much else. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's all just people's points of view as well. A friend of mine's right. daughter the other day, she's just amazing. And, you know, her mother said to her, you're so interesting. You don't seem, you, you never care about other people's judgments. And she said, it's just someone's point of view, mom. And, and yeah. I was like, that's that was beautiful. It's just someone's point of view. Like, why do we stop ourselves from somebody's yeah. point of view? Yeah. Mic drop. I have a word here yeah. at yesterday. It's called heart print. And the word symbolizes the possibilities we create for other people. I just wonder, and this might be a really easy answer for you or one of the most beautifully intricate ones we've had on the podcast because I know how much possibility means to you and the team. Simone, you get to the end of your career, <clears throat> the end of your life. I wonder if you just take a moment and just let us know what you hope your heart print will be. Okay, so immediately what came up for me was that I've changed other people's lives. Mm. That's without thinking about it, that's with joining with my knowing. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And, you know, there's so much goodness that you're putting out into the world that I could never do that justice in one hour. Where should people go? Where should people find out all the great work that you're putting out? Well, my name is, I've never met another Simone Millicis in the world so far. Yeah, so yeah. you can you Google the name Simone Millicis. That's my website. That's my Instagram. That's my Facebook. That's my everything. So Simone Millicis, M-I-L-A-S-A-S. -A -S -A -S. And also um, on accessconsciousness.com too. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And I'd just be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me, first of all. And um, the final thought I, I would request is we've spoken about judgment a little bit here. Um, don't buy it as real. Like, don't, like, stop judgment. Don't judge you and don't judge others. It's never going to create anything greater. Mm, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.